One other thing you might find interesting for those of you part of the Trace Diaz community at the Christmas Sequela, um, they just mentioned what the different churches were doing and uh, different groups were giving towards Ken and Kat. And um, there was $600 given um, in, in that one offering. Um, but it's not that it was a large amount. It was that the Lord knew that someone else in our church was willing to donate all of the treatment of their house for termites just for the price of chemicals. And the price of chemicals was $600. So all of that's already been taken care of, and I thought that was a a neat story. Stand with me, if you will. For this, our last installment on Hebrews chapter 11, you nor I knew that it would go 12 weeks. Thank you for not only uh, bearing with me, but I trust that it was enlightening to you and a blessing in this study of God's Word. Uh, By faith, that phrase, by faith, facts, myths, and miracles. And this part 12, the vision separation, victory, and trust of faith. Hebrews eleven twenty through 40. You've got to stand for 20 verses, but after that, I won't ask you to stand no more. It's good for you. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, but he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land, which the Egyptians tried to do, and they were all drowned." By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed for seven days. By faith, the harlot of Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I more say? For time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, David, Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, and turned to flight the armies of the enemies. Women received their dead to life again. And others, just mark that in your Bible, underline it, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a resurrection a better resurrection, and others, there it is again, had a trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, sawn asunder, tempted, slain by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth, and all of these obtained a good report through faith even though they received not the promise in this life. God has provided something better for us all, that they without us should not be made perfect. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. The premise of this series was to counteract the 
incorrect context of this chapter that's taught on television and throughout many churches. The message of faith is taught from the primary context of what we can get from God, and that is secondary. Faith, and especially chapter 11 of Hebrews, this message on faith is not what we can get from God, but what God can get out of us. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God and things that appear were made out of things that do not appear. By faith, Abraham offered Isaac. By faith, by faith, by faith, the just live by faith. And prayer and the answer of prayer, of course, is based on faith, but that is secondary. Faith is more about a walk, more about an action, more about a choice, more about our words, more about our direction, more about our speed, more about what we do not allow than it is what makes its way to us. Because the things that make their way to us in this lifetime, God promises them and God blesses us with them, but they are temporary. They all die with this planet when God destroys it by fire. The eternal asset, the only eternal asset in the world is you. And only the things that you give to God, and it's not just gifts like this, I'm not talking about money, but whatever flows out of you towards God, towards God exclusively, toward God willingly, toward God lovingly, those things, the Bible said, we are sending our treasures on ahead because where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. Faith changes our choices. It changes our motives. It changes our directions. And that's what I hope you've gleaned from in the study of, of this chapter, the roll call of faith that God took average people and below average people and great things flowed from their life, not because they were great, but the God who was walking with them was great enough to pull it out of them. Today, I want to talk to you by God's grace on four things. Vision, the vision of faith. Separation, the separation of faith. Victory, the victory of faith. And trust, the trust of faith. There's enough here. We could go another six, seven weeks on this one part. But I want to finish so we can have, uh, Lord willing, our Christmas services and then start uh, the new year and a new topic. And um, don't hold me to this, but I believe the Lord is leading me to take the month of January and speak on the subject of the end times. I did that on Wednesday night here not too long ago. We went through the book of Revelation. But I, you just need to be aware of how close we are to the coming of the Lord. And uh, I am surprised as a minister that he has not come already. And a lot of people don't want to talk about the end times. They, they say, oh, it's scary Meeting Jesus is not scary. Seeing him triumph in this world. Seeing him come with all of the saints, the coming for the saints, and then the coming with the saints, and his feet touching the Mount of Olives, and it's splitting from top to bottom, and the world coming to make war against him, and by the words of his mouth, he destroys his enemy, and he ushers in a thousand years of righteousness and peace. So uh, pray with me if that's the Lord's desire and design that uh, he would give me clarity there. And if not, pray that it'll be good, whatever I do. So number one, let's talk about vision this morning. 
For those of you taking notes, you can group the scriptures. 20 through 23 is vision. 24 through 29 is separation. 30 through 35 is victory. And 35B through 40 is trust. Keep your Bible open because you'll need to see it for this to make better connection for you. The vision of faith. Those that live by faith see what other people don't see. And because they see what other people don't see, they know what other people don't know. They feel what other people don't feel and they do what other people don't do. Faith opens our eyes. God opens our eyes. The most common physical miracle that Jesus did in the Gospels was the opening of blind eyes. And spiritually speaking, that's the primary dynamic of those that come to know the Lord. He woos them, he brings them to life, and they were once blind and now they see. They see things clearly. And you'll see by faith, these men in the Bible also, their, their, their clarity of vision brought about different actions. And let's look, up, look at them real quickly. Number 1A, those with spiritual vision see the importance of spiritual inheritance. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. That's verse 20. They understand the importance of inheritance and legacy. And we as parents need to understand we cannot give to our children anything we do not have. I can't give them physically, materially in this world what I do not have. And you cannot give spiritually what you do not have. But you who are moms and dads and you're filled with the Spirit and you love the Lord, you can grant peace to your babies. You can speak hope to your children and health. And a lot of what we teach them is taught with words, but others is caught. It's not just taught, it's caught. They, they, they absorb the attitude and the mindset. And by faith, Isaac, the Bible said, blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Those with spiritual vision see the responsibility of this legacy. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph. Those that with spiritual vision understand that they are greater than their past. Look at verse 21. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. Some of us have had things happen to us, and some of us have made choices and we are still battling with the ramifications of those choices. And it's affected our worship of the Lord and diluted it and diminished it because we've not seen by faith how God sees forgiven sins. And Jacob, at the end of his life, after all his maneuvering and manipulation and, and, and lying to his dad and deceiving his brother and wrestling with God, see, in those days, a man's staff, he would... It was like a diary. He would make a, a, a notch in the staff. This is the birthing of my boy. This is the, uh, the battle that we won. This was the provision God gave me. This is my failure. This is when I lied to the Lord. This is when I went into idolatry. He, he would list the whole diary. And Jacob, at the end of his life, is not strong enough to stand, and he's leaning on the history of his life. And looking on this staff, he had faith enough to worship because he knew that in God, you are greater than the sum of things behind you. He knew that in God, he was greater than the sum of things behind him because God is merciful. And God is grateful. And I worship today, not because I am good, but because he is good. And that worship flows from that faith. It opens our eyes to see clearly how God sees us. 
We who love our children, we do not love them because they perform. We love them because they are ours. And God's primary love for you is not based upon a performance. Now, we will be rewarded or we will lose reward for the things we've done or not done in our body. But my worship does not flow because of actions or, or callings or giftedness. I don't worship because I'm a pastor. I worship because I'm his son. I worship because I'm his. And those with spiritual vision do not live in fear. He said, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. And they were not afraid of the king's commandments. The commandment had been given to kill all of the children under a certain age. And they hid Moses until he grew up some. And then they put him in a little uh, homemade boat. I'd be hoping they had some skill in boat making. They made this little homemade boat and shoved it into the river. But it's funny to me. It, it's, it's not funny. It stands out to me that the Bible said, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Because if they disobeyed the commandment, they'd be killed. But by faith, you understand that that king can't do anything to me that God does not allow. And I would rather obey God than the king. And you are free from the fear of what our government did or what it's going to do. You're free from the fear of which direction we're going, what the church is doing, what the church is not doing, what the world is doing. Because I fear one, and it is God and God alone. And with that, by faith, we're freed from the, we are freed from the tyranny and the bondage of fear. You can't walk with God and be afraid unless you're blind. If you believed that God, who made everything by speaking, walks with you, walks beside you, walks ahead of you, and lives in you, who has paid for you, not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with the precious life of the Son of God, and has sworn to bring you home into glory. If you believe God was with you and you could see that spiritually, what would you ever be afraid of? Our problem is not our problem. Our problem is that our faith is so weak we don't see clearly. Because if the Lord is on my side, I will not fear what anyone can do unto me. Number two, y'all are quiet today, by the way. I'm enjoying it. I'm thinking this is wonderful. And y'all are quiet. Someone wrote me this week and said, when you say that, I want you to know that when I'm quiet, it means I'm thinking. So y'all are smart today is what I'll say. <laughs> y'all are smart up in here. Oh, by the way, where's Christ Chapel Cordial visiting with us? Y'all give them a hand. Glad to have y'all today with us. See ya. I started talking about smart people, and I thought of y'all. I don't know. Oh, well. Y'all are smart to be here. Number two, the separation of faith. The separation of faith. You can't have faith with God and not separate from this world. You can't, ha you can't have faith and live in that faith and not see the difference between the world uh, that hates God and the body of Christ. You can't, you can't love the world and love God. The Bible said it's impossible. And Christians will say, well, I do. I love both. No, you don't. It's like trying to tell someone that's tone deaf they're tone deaf. You ever tried it? How, how can I tell you, if you can't hear it, how can I sing it? Because if you can't hear you and I try to sing it to you off key, it'll sound just as good to you, my bad, as your bad. How do you do that? 
And how do you tell someone that if you're walking in faith, by faith with the Lord, you'll understand there's a disconnect from this world in you? How can two walk together lest they agree? God's not walking that way. Could it be that we're deceived that we're still walking with the Lord and we, like Samson, were not aware that the Lord had left us? By faith, there's a separation. Look in your Bible, verse 24. It's a matter of maturity. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Even though he was raised in the court of Pharaoh and he had that prestige, he had that title, he had the, the, the advantages that came with that, the education. When he grew up, he decided, I don't want to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter anymore. I reject this world so that I can side with the slaves of whom I belong, the Jewish nation. It's a matter of choice. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So it was a matter of choice and it was a matter of wisdom. He understood that if I suffer now, I'll reign later. If I reign now, I will suffer later because this world is under the principality and power of the air and I am not friends with this world because if I'm a friend with this world, I'm the enemy of God. And he chose to be in the minority. He chose to be uh, maligned and to be ignored and alienated and despised. It's kind of like after the cross, we who go outside of the camp with him, bearing his reproach, we choose that. And the maturity, the wisdom knows that we choose that instead of enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. I wish they'd have told me sin was pleasure. But when I first got saved and I came out of everything, it was like sometimes when I was listening to preaching, I'm like, I don't know if he got saved like I did. Because they talk about how horrible sin was. Now, hear me out before you leave. I'm not saying it's great. Just hear me out. To the flesh, sin's wonderful. I didn't have no conflict before I got saved. I wanted to go out all night. I go out all night, no problem. But it was for a season. And if you stay in it long enough and the check starts coming, it's like going out to Natalia's or some really nice restaurant here, and I'm not making fun of them. It's a wonderful place to eat. You can mortgage your house and go if you like. You can go tomorrow. Uh, a really good meal. But the longer you stay and run your tab, there comes a time before you leave that someone's going to bring you a bill. And Moses, faith gives you the wisdom to say, ah, it's fun, but there's a high price tag that comes with it. And when they bring the check, after you get up off the ground, you go and talk to uh, Natalie, and she works out a payment plan for you, and you come back, and you, you're working to pay it off. And I said that so you'll get it. Talk to the, the person that... The sin led them to an abortion. Talk to the person that got married because it was the right thing to do and they're unhappily married now because the girl was, young girl was pregnant and he was standing up. Talk to the person that got the diseases and talk to the person that threw away, threw away his family for just an evening or a, a moment with some girl that worked in the office. And I'm not putting it on her. Talk to that man who lost his babies. And he would tell you the pleasures of sin have a price tag that you don't want to pay. Sin will cost you more than you're willing to pay and keep you longer than you're willing to stay. By faith, we separate ourselves 
from this world and the things that it offers. The separation of faith is an expression of our value system. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. The separation of faith is fueled by the anticipation of reward. It said that Moses did these things because he had respect under the recompense of the reward. We who have lived rightly and righteously and stood for the Lord and were unashamed for everything that's negatively happened to you because of your faith, you are going to receive a reward from Christ himself. And it's the reward that drives us on. It's the knowing that we'll hear the words good and we'll hear the words faithful from the Lord Jesus. Faith lets me see that day more clearly than today. Faith gives you the ability to see backward, sideways, and forward with a distinct advantage of seeing into eternity and knowing that the world will be destroyed and knowing that we'll stand before the Lord and give an account for our deeds. The choices are more easily made because we see what other people do not see. The separation of faith is maintained through a singleness of vision. Verse 27, by faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Not seeing the pastor, not seeing the bishop or the cardinal or the priest, but seeing God himself, keeping God before your eyes. Your commitment is not unto Pastor John. Your commitment is not unto Christ's chapel. Your commitment is not unto the assemblies of God. It is unto God the Father. That is your commitment through Christ the Lord. And this separation is exclusive says, through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he be destroyed with the firstborn and all that the angel touched. By faith we take what God says about judgment and we, we put the blood of the spotless lamb, the lamb of God, on our doorpost. Back then each family took a lamb, but today the lamb has been proclaimed and has, has died for our sins. And by faith... We separate from the world and declare that God is judge. We put it over our doorpost. That God will, God will judge. And if only if we have mercy from him will we and our family be saved. And every man has an exclusive. Those that live by faith have an exclusive. That's key. Exclusive, firm, relying trust in the blood of Jesus for our sins. By faith, we're not like the world that says all of us are sons and daughters of God. All of us are part of the same uh, humanity. We're all going to the same place. All roads lead to heaven. Uh-uh. By faith, I separate from you and I allow you to call me narrow. I allow you to call me uh, close-minded, arrogant, bigot, whatever you say. By faith, I separate from you and I put the blood of one lamb on my doorpost and I hope to obtain the resurrection of life not based upon my good works but upon his death for my life. This separation of faith is unmistakable and absolute. Verse 29, look in your Bible. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land when the Egyptians followed them, were drowned. Do you remember really? Do you, do, is it fresh to you that day, that week that you became born again? That day you felt God call you out of darkness into his marvelous light and the Red Sea of your own guilt, 
your own shame, your own weaknesses, your own bondages opened up before you. And you walked out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son by faith, like he called Lazarus out of the tomb. You who are dead in sins, he called you out. And that separation, that new birth, and the destruction of the enemy that said, you can't do it. Anybody else? You can't do it. You can't live this life. And all of them were destroyed. And you know in your own heart better than you've known anything else that I am saved. I am forgiven. And the enemy which controlled me controls me no more. You need to understand that those of us who are born again, and especially our new converts, listen to this. The devil is very subtle and strategic And he'll use words and questions to try to trick you and make you think that that you have less in God than you have. He'll say something like this. Take take my life where I was drunk four or five nights a week for seven years. And he said, I thought you were saved. If you were saved, why would you crave beer? And your carnal man would go, huh. If you're so saved, uh, why can't you fast? If you're so saved... Why haven't these things changed? And he, he uses the wrong approach and with one inference will cause a new believer to stumble. God never said he saved me from the pull of sin. He said he saved me from the power of sin. So it still pulls, but it doesn't control. And I know because I've separated myself And you remember the verse that said, those that used to run with you now marvel that you don't do the same things you used to do that they still do. And they think, oh, it couldn't have been real. But for you, the evidence of your salvation is that you are separate from who you used to be. Now, I'm going to pinpoint a small group of us. We ventured back just a little bit. So you get saved. You're free. I mean free. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. And you walk back to the other side to dabble in the stuff you were freed from. You can't even enjoy it. You can't even enjoy it. God's ruined you. Do you, anybody besides me, and you go back, it don't taste the same. It don't feel the same. It don't look the same. And that's the most miserable people in the world, a Christian that is backslid just a little bit. Most miserable people in the world because they have so much of God they can't enjoy the world and they got just enough of the world they can't enjoy God they ain't got nothing but faith in us will not allow us to say stay there because that's not me anymore it's not me and it it separates so much so that Jacob talked about the children of Israel leaving he said hey when it happens dig my bones up in here and take the bones with you Don't you have any relatives like that? You can see them saying that. Here, listen. (laughs) When it's time for y'all to get out of here, don't leave me here. Well, daddy, that's just your bones. Dig them up. (laughs) What was he saying? This isn't my home. And don't don't think I'm forgetting. I'm looking way ahead when God's deliverance comes like he's promised. Dig me up and take you with me. Take me with you because Egypt is not my home. Canaan's my home. And Canaan is a natural type of a spiritual reality. This ain't my home. Number three, the victory of faith. As Christians, you should live 
with an unmistakable expectancy of victory in everything. It does not mean that everything will turn out as you've hoped, but it means that you are an optimist of faith. You're believing that God has absolute victory, absolute control, and you who are in him can't help but do what he does, anticipating goodness, anticipating righteousness, anticipating wholeness. Many Christians, sadly, that I know are pessimists. Do you remember when the disciples were on the boat and they were toiling against the storm and Jesus came walking on the water to them? What'd they say? Come on. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. And I remember when the Lord opened that passage up to me and it said, carnal, immature believers. And his disciples were immature at the time. They expect evil before they expect good. You'd expect a ghost to come before Jesus would? Yeah. And that's got to get rooted out of you. We're anticipating the Lord at every turn. We're not, you know, I'm not expecting Ebola. I'm not expecting West Nile. And Oh, well, it's a reality. I understand that. And I didn't say I was exempt. I said I'm anticipating good from the Lord. I expect good from the Lord. Because he's good. And I'm his son. And if I experience the other, then I'm going to experience the healing goodness of God. I'm going to experience the restorative nature of God. But my anticipation by faith is that God's goodness is so, he's so full that it can't help but find me where I'm at. And some of us have not because we don't really believe that. We pray and then when God answers, they go, can you believe that? Yes, isn't that why you were praying? Well, yeah, I pray, but I really, you know. And God does that sometimes in spite of our faithlessness. But faith sees what other people don't see and knows what other people don't know. And faith experiences victories. We have not because we ask not. And when we ask, we ask a mist that we might consume it upon our lust. Victory is not so much about you winning as it is about you being where God is. Do you remember when Jesus came walking on the water and Simon Peter saw him and said, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come. Now think through this with me. Don't let me just say it. If that's you, tell me I can be with you. So walking on water for a man, would you say that's victory? One word, Jesus. Just one word from you. And I can do today, I can do in this moment what I couldn't do five minutes ago. I can do in this moment what other people would die trying to do. I can do the impossible. If you tell me to come, and on one word, come. Simon got out of the boat, jumped, hit, hit the water, and walked on the water to Jesus. That's victory. What a perfect example of our flawed humanity. And then he saw the wind and the waves and he began to sink. People say, yeah, but he sank. He walked. We do experience victory and we experience failure. But just because I experience failure doesn't mean that I should not have an expectation of constant victory in my life. Because God isn't sinking. He's not worried either. He ain't nervous. 
I love when people go, that worship, I just, ooh, it's just, it was too much. It's too loud. Baby, you're going to be in trouble in heaven. You're going to be nervous. <laughs> Victory is not always having things happen the way you want. It's seeing God clearly standing on top of whatever you're worried about. Victory. We used to sing a song, young people don't know it today, Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever, who sought me and bought me with his redeeming love. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me into victory through his redeeming blood. I am the purchase of God. I got to come out. I got to come over. I got to make it. You can't kill me till he allows it. You, you can't, even if you kill me, if you drop a nuclear bomb on this place and our pieces are obliterated, vaporized, at the trump of God, all those pieces come right back together again and we're formed and glorified. Absolute victory. <laughs> Absolute victory. Listen to this. Impenetrable walls fall like at Jericho. The victory of faith. People with horrible past are pardoned like Rahab. Cowardly people become courageous like Gideon. Great failures are restored like Samson. Insignificant and overlooked little boys become king like David. Barren women bring forth great men like Samuel. These victories that we have include the toppling of kingdoms, bringing about righteousness, seeing impossible promises come to pass, spending the night with lions unharmed, surviving fiery furnaces, surviving many fierce battles, see our weakness turn to strength, become successful warriors, and experience numerous and absolute victories. It even saw women receive their dead back to life. Your victory, the anticipation of your victory, should even go as far as seeing your home come back to life from the dead. Your babies. Naturally, is what it's talking about contextually, but spiritually, even more so. For there's a day coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. Some of you give up on your daughter when they come in and tell you, I've taken up this alternative lifestyle. Me and me and my girl are shacking up, Mama. We're going to get married. Oh, they'll say we're living together. We're, you know, common law. And others will get on drugs and alcohol. And the parents, I understand the care and the concern. But where is faith playing that? Well, Brother Wood, they're free moral agents. Yeah, but he's God. But they have free will. He's got absolute sovereignty. Well, he won't violate their will. Oh, I didn't say he would. But he can make their life such a hell they run back to God. God runs this thing. God's the final say. And people see their family come back from the dead by faith. I know what it looks like. I know what you said. I know what it feels like. But my God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can ask or think. You Listen, you, can't, you can hardly whip somebody that's confident. And I'm really confident if I've already seen the end of the movie. I, mean, I, I mentioned this a couple months ago, but for those of y'all that slept in, I'm going to share it with you here. 
how can I make it? An, oh, okay, I'll make it a new illustration, same story. The other day I recorded uh, Alabama, and who, who was the last one they beat? Yeah, I recorded those, and uh, then I'm coming home, and I'm listening to ESPN, and it says, you know, Alabama wins uh, 60 to 2 or whatever it was, you know, how they beat him. And I'm not, I'm not believe those of you that think I'm an Alabama fan, I just, whoever's wearing navy blue, I root for them. That's, it don't matter to me. I love blue. That's the truth. Whoever's got the neatest jersey. Uh, but when I know they win, please let this go in your heart. When I know they win, and I go home to watch it on my DVR. Oh, it looks like they're, oh, or say it's a close game. You, you recorded something and it's 24 to 23. That's a better illustration. And you're watching it and you go, oh, if, if you don't know the outcome, oh, and you're screaming at the TV and how stupid. A coach don't know nothing. Oh, yeah, we know everything, you know. He's consumed 150,000 hours studying film and we put our drink on our belly. You don't know what you're doing, you know. <laughs> stupid. And you, you ain't trained any of the guys. You ain't been with them on the field, but you know who ought to go in, and it's great. Anyway, we'll talk about ignorance on a different day. <laughs> so if I don't know who won, I'm throwing food. I'm flipping over chairs. But have you ever watched the game when you know who won? And you're watching it, and they go, oh, it's an interception. Pick six. You go, don't worry about it. What do you mean don't worry about it? We're going to come back. How do you know? Mike and Mike told me they won. Some of the, uh, is gone because we know how it ends. What will it take for you in this life for you to realize that we who are born from above overcome it? Oh, oh, all. What your dad did to you, all. What your father didn't do, all. What you lost as a child, all. What you lost when your spouse walked out, all. Everything that happens to you that knocks you over, knocks you out, and, uh, emasculates you, harms you, alters you, changes you. Through Christ, you will come through it all because the end of the movie is us being called to heaven, changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and we will be with the Lord forever. 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 My prayer for you is that you could see God more clearly than you see what has happened to you. Moses endured seeing him that was invisible. And Hebrews 11 was a story of victory. But now there are others. And Ben, if you'd come please here to the piano. There's the trust of faith. Look at verse 35. Everyone look in your Bible, please. Guys, if you could put it on the screen too. Verse 35. And others... Say it with me, and others. So who are we contrasting others with? All the people that had all the victories, right? And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. They trusted instead of compromising. They trusted while being persecuted. And others, say it with me, and others. 
had a trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. And others were stoned, sawn asunder, means cut in half. And others wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. And others wandered about in deserts, mountains, dens, and caves of the earth. And yet all of these obtained a good report through faith having not received the promises. God wants you to know that if you fall into the category of and others, you still win. This person had walls fall and my walls stayed up. This person was delivered by an angel. Paul was delivered as the, the angels came and the prison doors were opened and James, the brother of John, was thrust through with a sword. He's delivered, I got killed. This one had abundance and you had lack. This one experienced the victory that you anticipated, but they lived wondering what's wrong with me. And some hyper-charismatic dimwit, excuse me, but told you, well, if you just had faith, you'd have got out. The book said they had a good report. God said, good report. A, you passed because you were trusting in God even when your circumstances did not measure up to your expectation. And in the end, when everything's said and done and the books are opened, we will find that the victory that God gives is not determined by how things turned out on the earth, but how things are unveiled in heaven. Where the one that's at the back of the party, God says, hey, no, 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 you don't sit on the back no more. Come here, come here. Oh, Lord, I, no, come here, come here, come here. And puts them on the front. Every promise you believed, everything you held out for that didn't happen, it's yours a hundredfold in this lifetime. Because you had faith. And everybody else looks on faith. You equated faith with the outcome in earth. God equates faith with the outcome in heaven. So whether I experience my dead come back to life again or I don't see that happen. If I don't see the miracle, I know the one that watches. And if I have faith, this is what I've waited for 12 weeks to tell you. If I have firm exclusive trust in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that that thing in me overcomes the world. So anything you can think of, well, what if I can overcome it? Well, what if this, I can overcome it? But John, what I can overcome it? Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And nothing can overcome a child of God. That's not an arrogant statement. That's a confident statement. So that little lady living by herself and praying for all her children while they live like hell and it looks like no answers are coming. In the quiet of her home, she tells the devil and God, devil listening and God watching. She says, God, deal the next card. Bring it. Because I'm not going to stop praying and I'm not going to stop believing. And if it doesn't happen in this lifetime, in the one to come, God's going to balance the books. And I don't know who that's for, but God is going to balance the books. 
Would you bow your heads with me this morning? You've got to have faith. You've got to have faith to believe that God's leading you, that God is ahead of you and has got his best laid aside for you. And he knows what they said. He knows what they did. He knows what you've lost, but you're more than that. Can you worship leaning on your staff? Can you worship leaning on everything that's happened? With no one looking around, if that's you, if that stood out to you today, I just want you to stand. Would you mind doing this? Do you have enough humility? I want you to act like you're leaning on a staff of all this happening. I want you to lift the other hand to the Lord. If that's you, I want you to stand right now. And imagine one staff under one arm. And by faith, you lift the other arm. Glory to God. Glory to God. Those of you that are believing and you're standing in hope and in faith, they don't know. Even your friends don't know how many tears you've cried and how many prayers you've prayed. And the only thing the devil can trick you in is to get you to quit. And you say, I will not be a pessimist. I believe that God is able. I know he's listening and he's attentive. And I stand in faith today. If that's you, would you stand all over this room? Praying for someone. Praying for yourself. Praying for it. of you stand with us this morning through it all through it all I've learned to depend upon his word through it all through it all I've learned to trust in Jesus trust in God through it all through it all I've learned to depend upon his word through it all through it all I've learned to trust in Trust in God through it all, through it all. I've learned to depend upon His word. Saints, would you look to me one more time? Let's tell you a quick story, light story to end this series. Faith is your answer to whatever, by faith, it's whatever comes out of you. However you address it, 
And it's always Godward. It's always Godward. It's always God-honoring, God-pleasing, God-reliant. And the devil can't stand it when he squeezes and faith comes out. There was a woman of simple means and a simple mind continuing her education at a supposed to be a Bible college or those that taught religion, I should say. And she found herself in a, a liberal class and they were telling about Moses and the Red Sea and the preacher, the preacher, the teacher was talking about how it wasn't the Red Sea, it was the Reed Sea. And the Reed Sea at a certain time of the year got down to about six to eight inches of water. And what happened was with this strong wind, it blew that six inches of water out of the way and the Israelites, million plus, were able to go across. It wasn't a riverbed and the ground wasn't really that wet because it had been so shallow for so long. And this lady in class, while he was talking, and he said, and so that for all of you Bible believers, so-and-so, it's just, it was six inches of water. And she goes, ah, glory. Anybody love that? And she Anybody else been in church where they have spells? Had a spell. Oh, glory. And the professor was like, excuse me. No, excuse me. Oh, God. And she just immediately checked out of class. Oh, God. I knew you was great, but to drown all them Egyptians in six inches of water. Woo! God, have mercy. What you going to do with people with faith? No matter how you tell it, when you're done and the door closes and they pull the drape and say, no, no visitors, my God can walk through the drape, through the nurse, sit right beside me and say, I'm with you. I'm with you, buddy. Faith overcomes. You can't do nothing with people with faith. So have faith in God. Have a wonderful week. God bless you this morning. Oh, help us. Hey, help us with the chairs. So don't stack 50 in the middle. We're going to put them around the wall and then stack them up against the wall.